Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined by Kieran Morzaria, who is the CEO of Cadence Minerals. Kieran, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Uh, Thanks for interviewing me. We're going to be discussing uh, your company, the investments you're making, the minerals that you're looking at. And there's uh, certain points that we're going to be elaborating on in the podcast. But before we get into the finer details, please, would you be able to give us, Kieran, an overview of Cadence Minerals? Yes, absolutely. So Cadence is uh, listed on the AIM market in London. It's a responsible resource investor in the lithium, rare earth and iron ore space, investing both uh, investing at, in pro- at the project level. Uh, all of those elements are critical compounds or metals that we believe will form part of the next commodity cycle. Uh, you know, you've seen commodity super cycles beforehand. We believe uh, driven by the increasing pe- penetration of electric vehicles around the world, uh, you know, in the United Kingdom we're, and Europe, we're seeing like 10 percent penetration of new vehicles. And the infrastructure build-up that we see in the US, we see that lithium and rare earth for the electric vehicles and iron ore for construction um, and infrastructure spend that we'll see in the US with their uh, fiscal stimulus that's uh, occurring at the moment. So, you know, we are a public company. Over the last financial year, our uh, list investments delivered, you know, substantial returns in the order of 300%. And our private investments have really made excellent progress towards production of their respective metals and uh, minerals. Fantastic. So one key point that I think we need to touch on here is how the company's structured, because Kieran, you're, you're actually a mining investment company as opposed to an operator of mines. What's the thinking behind that? It's, it's a simple answer. It's a diversification of risk. You know, mining uh, or exploration of mining is by very nature uh, a high risk, uh, a, a high risk venture, and a mining cap uh, company on aim with a cap with, with on aim and the capital constraints that you see on aim with a market cap of sub up one hundred million uh, pounds. You know the capital intensity of development of these mining projects. It's very hard for single operational companies on on aim to just to invest substantially and management time across. Uh, you know, multiple projects. So often you'll see they only have one substantial project being developed. And uh, therefore, if that project, uh, you know, ha- has risk associated or has an interference, for example, government, environmental licensing, changes in commodity prices, that can have a really bad effect on the market capitalization and a shareholder return. So as an investment company, we can diversify across the elements. So lithium, rare earth and iron ore in our case at this point point in time, uh, across geography. So we're not exposed to one single jurisdiction and projects. So we can reduce the risk to our shareholder, shareholders. And to this date, you know, this strategy has worked out with all of our projects in the portfolio progressing well. um, And I would just be all of them successful so far. So as an investment company, Kieran, what's your strategy? You, you've obviously outlined their particular uh, metals and minerals that you're focusing on. But if we look at the, the broader strategy of what Cadence is doing, would you be able to give us a little bit more detail on that? Yeah, absolutely. What happened, I think, uh, about three or four years ago, uh, well, we 
I discussed with shareholders and made presentation, but you know, early stage resource investment has is very high risk, uh, both on a technical uh, risk front, a regulatory risk front, uh, and financing risk front. And actually, there was a study done. I think it was in the late '90s uh, by um, an Australian university where they basically said of reviewing copper assets, about only 0.2.02% reach feasibility study from Greenfield. So, you know, that's very high risk for a lot of investors to be involved. So what we we, we looked at doing is we take our expertise outside uh, consultants and uh, we identify projects that have a high chance of reaching PFS or feasibility study level. So that is the level or which there's a high level of understanding of the project, its mineral resource, its economic returns, um, and feasibility study level is what you utilize to raise money and, and build the project. And we invest relatively early, as the best value that you get in most resource projects and mineral projects is invested early stage or from expiration all the way. Um, and then you get the, the, the increase in that investment value when you get to PFS and, and, and feasibility study level. So all of our assets, I pretty well started that way. If we look at EMH, we invested when they were uh, really just starting off as a resource uh, and it's gone and we've been invested there for several years and it's now gone to a stage where they're doing their bankable feasibility study. Um, we look at something like our investment uh, or our joint venture into the Yangabana Rare Earth Project, ditto the same. All of these projects have invested from early stage and now they're at either pre-construction, feasibility, financing level, and uh, that's been that strategy has worked successful, but it's continuing to identify new projects like that that can provide the same level of return, but reduce the technical risk um, uh, for us as investors um, through due diligence and through structuring of deals that we do with people. So we invest in private and public stock stocks. Uh, so in terms of we invest in private companies and public stocks, um, we have a smaller portion of our portfolio that's sort of uh, is, is sort of below one or two percent of the those public stocks. And we also have if we invest over 10 percent, we look to have board positions in, in, in those public stocks. So I'm a board member of European Metals Holdings, for example. In private, we take a much more active role or we try to take a much more active role. And you can see with our investment in a mapper, you know, we've taken a much more active role. We are we are partners and joint venture partners and we take you know we're actively involved in the management alongside our partners of the development of those assets not solely a passive shareholder or just on a in a just a non-executive director on the on the board so that's a much more active much more private equity approach um, in those assets so hopefully that's outlined our investment strategy we do incredible due diligence review um, the risks and uh, invest at an early stage to get the best value all the way up to feasibility and pre-feasibility level. That's the greatest value for our shareholders. And we dive, we try to reduce that risk by in the private set, in public stock, have smaller, uh, smaller stakes so we can liquidate our positions if required. And in larger stakes, we have a non-executive position. And in the private area, we have a active management of, of that. So we've got a diversified risk approach, but hopefully, delivering uh, good returns. And as, as I mentioned beforehand, technically all of our projects today have been successful and things like EMH have do, delivered, as anyone can see, um, have delivered excellent returns to shareholders, which we are one of them. Fantastic. Thank you. That's very interesting insight there into your investment strategy. 
Kieran, and, and you've obviously you've named a couple of projects there, and and and, and of course at the beginning, uh, the minerals uh, that that you're looking at. Um, but I'm sure listeners are going to be very interested to hear about your principal investments in more detail, um, some of the assets that you own and have stakes on. Um, so would you like to give us a little bit more around that, please? Yeah. So the, the, let's let's talk about the principal assets. So the, the the main one, which you know has been ongoing for a while, is our um, investment into the Amapa iron ore mine in Brazil. So the Amapa iron ore mine is a de-risk. And was profitable, low cash, quick, uh, quick uh, profitable, low capex, and quick cash flow investment for us. You know the way that it's structured. It's a, a large iron ore deposit in uh, the state of Amapa, northern Brazil. It has around a 14-year mine life to it. It's 185 million tons worth of resources. Uh, about 40 40% run of the mine grade, which gets enriched to 65%, which is a very high quality iron ore. And at full capacity, the plant will run at 5.3 million tons per annum. Now, why this is interesting for it for us is. It's not a new build. It's not a new development. It was a distressed asset, which we've worked through uh, getting agreements with creditors, agreements with the secured bank creditors. Um, you know, we have to still finalize that in terms of we still have to execute the, um, the settlement agreement. But in principle, those agreements are done. And we once we restructure that, we've already got a mine that's established. It's got a mineral resource. It's got a plant that's built, a rail and a port that's built, does require rehabilitation, but nonetheless, the capex required per tonne is much lower than would be for a um, a similar iron ore mine of that size. So it represents a very good internal rate of return and NPV. So the project was originally valued by, well, when it was sold, was valued by Anglo-American about $600 million. And our investment to get initially 27% is $6 million, of which we've already got two and a half million dollars on deposit uh, waiting to be vested. And then we have the first right of refusal to go up to 49% of the the company. So it's a a pretty substantial asset. The way that we structured it diversifies our, uh, mitigates our risk. And we're going to be producing, and it's a low cost producer, around uh, $21 per tonne of uh, production. And it produces a product of uh, 60 blade will produce a product of 60 majority is going to be 65% FE, which is a you know around $120 a ton um, uh, production. So that's a life of mine OPEX to the port is 21. You'd still have shipping costs on top of that. So it's a really good uh, project that we're looking forward to developing. And uh, you know, once we get the settlement agreement signed with the bank creditors, uh, that will be a, you know a primary focus of my time. Uh, certainly over the coming years and months as we develop this into a production asset. So that's that's a mapper. And then we have uh, European, if we talk about, we're talking about the size of assets, we talk about uh, European Metals Holdings, which is, you know, that is, we've got around 9% of that. That's a public company. We, you know, shareholders will probably already know and people listening to this will probably already know how it's performed over the last year. It is a substantial deposit here. I would is probably, you know, it's the fourth largest non-brine lithium resource in the world. It's so far, we understand it to be a low cost producer, bottom of the cost curve. Its location critically is in the Czech Republic, which is in the heart of Europe and near to, you know, numerous potential end users. Where we look at the heart of Europe, you have got all these electric vehicle manufacturers coming into play here with battery plants being developed. 
And it's got a strategic partnership, which is really great uh, with a CZ. Now, CZ or Chez's is the parastatal or state-owned power company in Czech Republic who have funded this asset um, or will fund this asset to production decisions, so the bankable feasibility study. So there's, you know, uh, there shouldn't be really any dilution to us as shareholders of EMH as that goes towards, uh, um, you know, the bankable feasibility study. So there's a t if you look at our balance sheet, um, you know, financial financial balance sheet. Those will be our two primary assets. We of course have other assets. We have a thirty percent stake in the Sonora uh, part of the Sonora project, um, uh, which is a, a JV uh, owned by uh, Bacanora and ourselves. Bacanora is, uh, is in the process of being uh, taken over by Gang Feng, one of the largest uh, battery producers in the world, and we'll see how that pans out. Um, you know, that those JV areas are not going to be mined or certainly in the mine plan as it stands, we're not going to be mined until much later in the mine plan. And we also have a 30% JV stake in the Yangabana rare earth deposit or part of the Yangabana rare, rare earth deposit. Again, significant because of the neodymium uh, deposit primarily, which is really important for permanent magnets in electric vehicles. And that, uh, that stake again will be mined later on in the mine life. So, you know, those are the various uh, sort of private and public investments. And we also have a 31% stake in a hard rock peg, potential hard rock pegnotite deposit in Australia. So a lot of assets, uh, all which are advancing and have been successful, um, you know, either a bankable feasibility study, getting financing. Um, and so have mitigated a lot of that risk. And bearing in mind, we've been in these, a lot of these assets for, for a while now. And an interesting prospect, an exploration prospect in our hard rock uh, project in in Australia, for which is right next to Core Lithium, which is like a sort of four hundred million dollar market cap company, uh, the Litchfield uh, areas that we we own thirty one percent of now. So it's 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 a really good suite of assets, which I feel very positive about, um, all of which have the ability to deliver value to Cadence. I would say most significantly in the short term uh, and at longer term, assuming it comes to production, is a mapper. So a, a mapper there is, is one definitely to watch for investors. But I mean, apart from that, Kieran, when people are looking at the company and, and thinking what's going to be coming next, I mean, what do you say potentially, of course, you can't um, say certain things which haven't been disclosed to the market yet, but you know, if investors are trying to keep an eye out for developments coming from Cadence, what do you think could be the most significant developments for you over the next three to six months? Well, I, I think I'll talk about things that we have control over, which we, or, or, or we are, you know, intimately involved in, which is, of course, the Amapa project. So for us, as we've said beforehand, we have the uh, you know, our conditions of vesting to get to our 20% and eventually our 27% is that we need a settlement agreement with secured bank creditors. That has uh, the that has been agreed in principle with their relevant credit committees. We are now uh, in the process of drafting and finalizing the settlement agreement. That's the final binding document. And that's progressing well. And once we have it done, we'll announce it. I know people keep on asking when. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give forecasts on, on, on that, but uh, it is progressing very well. And I, I certainly uh, look forward to announcing it when it occurs. And that will really trigger 
our 20% our 20% and then our 20% and then our 27% once we invest a further 3.5 million um which will be a you know that will be important for cadence as a company and of course from that and and to our shareholders of course and of course from that then we can you know we've already embarked at site in anticipation of these settlement agreements being signed you know the site has already embarked on commencing its pre-feasibility study, which will provide shareholders and cadence a, a very clear view, um, well, particularly shareholders, a very clear view of the NPV of the project um, and gives them you know, certainty around the construction, development and timeline to, to, to development from that. And those are the two major things that will occur uh, in a mapper. Then, of course, we have... Um, our our investment in EMH and as we've seen them moving forward with their PFS uh, bankable feasibility study. So whatever announcements come out there, which should be interesting. And um, we also have our JV areas with Yangabana and Sonora. We'll see how Gang Feng pairs out, um, how, how that how that goes, and how that will affect our our assets there. And Yangabana, you know, they're progressing well, and and you know we would look to. Um, crystallize some value from the Angabana in one way or another in the long term so and that's what we always want to do in the long term so we'll look at how that that can be achieved as well so i think there's a really there's lots of projects that are in development and all of which as i said can provide a, a stimulus to you know create shareholder value for me it is a mapper it is about crystallizing that settlement agreement completing the pre-feasibility uh study as soon as feasibly possible and with iron ore improving and uh, shipping rates coming down, they're still not there. You know, the recommencement of, of, of shipping at the Amapa project, which it has a substantial stockpile there. And so if, if the shipping rates come down to more reasonable levels that we saw earlier in the 40 to $50 mark per tonne for this asset, then, then, then we, we can recommence shipping. Um, so that's what we're looking to do uh, um, going forward. Kieran, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. So just uh, a note for listeners, uh, in the podcast notes, we're going to be putting a link through to Cadence's website because Kieran's very kindly uh, gone through a number of different projects there. And I'm sure people want to know a little bit more about those and information can be found on the Cadence website. So do check out the notes um, in the podcast here for a link through to the Cadence website, which actually has... Uh, a very good explanation of all the different assets that uh, Kieran's just been through there. So, so do have a look at that. Um, so, Kieran, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time to interview me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.